Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Come on, dude. We're so excited, guys. We're in in the middle of the series called Campus Awakening, and we're just really going after having, being like young adults really hungry for Jesus and going after seeing revival come. So uh, I'm just going to pray and just bless the night, and they're going to kick it off. So God, we just thank you so much for Joel and Dominic. I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. God, I thank you for the for the message that you have in their hearts, God, that they've been carrying and, and also live out every day, that this is such a part of their testimony. So I just pray that you bless them. God, speak through them and encourage us with the, your word through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Joe. Thank you so much, Emily. Well, hello, everyone. I've seen a lot of new faces, so that's exciting. That's cool. That's good. Uh, my name's Joel. Wow, this mic is hot. This mic is... Um, I've been going here for about four years. I've been on the leadership team for about two years, and it's been changing my life. This place has been changing my life every week, week in and week out. Uh, but tonight, I'm really, really stoked to be talking to you about um, something that has been, has been really important to me just in my, in my Christian walk. And it's actually the most essential element in the Christian life, which is the renewed mind. Who knows what the renewed mind is? Who's heard of that? Basically, it's uh, when we sin, our mind becomes more unrenewed. which is why we need a renewed mind, back to kind of our original design. If I can put it in very basic layman terms, the Bible talks a lot about the renewed mind and why we need it. So that's what I'm going to cover today. And that's the truth, that the renewed mind is the most essential element in the Christian life, because without it, it's impossible to live a lifestyle of supernatural miracles that's sustainable. It's impossible to live a supernatural lifestyle that's sustainable without the renewed mind. And we need it to bring God's kingdom to earth. And that really happens through soaking in, reading God's word, and being transformed by the power of the truth, the power of his word. Um, We should really be so impacted by the word, guys, that people should look at our lives and be able to see the gospel in every area of our life. Our finances, our relationships, our work, our jobs. People should look at our life and be able to spot Jesus and the transforming power of the gospel in our life. And that's, that's what the renewed mind is all about, and that's what it does. Um, So as a church... Speaking of the supernatural, as a church, we're really so used to waves, uh, waves of power coming where we experience supernatural things, miracles, healings, breakthrough happen, you know, in instances and moments. And it's more sporadic than it is continual. So um, that looks like when we're here at church, maybe, you know, once a week or it'll happen twice a week where we invite God's power to come. We wait for him. And we create an environment to do this. We have an amazing worship team, you know, ushering us into the presence of God. We're really pressing in for God. Um, There's a pastor on stage giving out words, prophesying like that. Really setting the tone and inviting God's presence to come. And then God shows up. The atmosphere gets thick. We start to feel him. Peace fills the room. And then miracles start breaking out left and right. People start praying for each other. People get words of knowledge for each other. People get healed. Pain leaves their body. Crazy stuff like that happens. And that's kind of when power that's kind of, um, you know, what happens when we wait for and have God initiate the power uh, in these sporadic instances, these moments. 
And that's kind of the difference. I want to talk to you about power and authority and the difference between the two. So power is kind of like that. When God initiates it, when we are ready for it, we're hungering, we're pressing in for that, and God kind of initiates it. But the truth is in Luke 9, Jesus gave the disciples authority and power to walk in on a consistent basis. And if you look at the, the book of Acts, that's what you see. The apostles, it was a daily thing. Like, you read the book of Acts, I want my life to look like that. That's normal Christianity, where these guys are walking in miracles and signs and wonders and healings and crazy stuff. Like, people getting healed with Paul's handkerchief. He literally, he takes his handkerchief off, gives it to another guy. Another guy touches it, he gets healed. That doesn't happen here. Like, that doesn't happen in my life. Why doesn't it? So, Jesus gave us authority and power to, to walk in. And that's, that's kind of what authority is, is when we have the power to initiate it, to command a blessing, to command a healing, a miracle at any moment. Um, and this can be in any setting, any setting, where we're at Winco, we're at In-N-Out Burger, we're at North County Fair Mall, and there's no worship music, there's no pastor on stage, just me, person in a wheelchair in front of me, and hundreds of bystanders. And that's it. And it's in those moments where we have to operate from the authority that God gave us from the renewed mind and take a step of faith and take a risk and just go for it and pray for him. And when that happens, what starts in authority ends in power. It's kind of the difference. You can see how power of God initiates it and authority. We actually have the badge of heaven, the authority to initiate it. An example of this, on, on, uh, on Sunday, Pastor Teresa shared a message, or shared a testimony about her and Pastor Daniel um, on vacation, and they were, I think, in Hawaii, and they were at a restaurant, and there was this waiter, their waiter was waiting on them, and what's that, a pastor, the head pastors of this church, thank you, yes, head pastors of this church told us a story on, on, uh, about their vacation on Sunday, and uh, their, their waiter was partially or fully deaf in one ear. And Pastor, he either told Pastor Teresa or she found out. And she prayed for him, took a step of faith, prayed for him, and his ear, his ear completely got healed. He could hear 100% after that. And he was freaking out. He didn't know what to say. He's like, dude, bro. He, he was stunned. He was stunned. Like, and you see, there wasn't... The, <laughs> there wasn't... There wasn't a pastor around, uh, except for Pastor Daniel sitting next to her. There wasn't, there wasn't a pastor speaking a message. Um, there wasn't a worship team. It was just her walking in the knowledge that God gave her authority and coming from the renewed mind and taking that authority and just going for it. Let me get a drink of water, excuse me. Another example of this is a story about, about three years ago. Chug, chug, my water. Um, about three years ago, I was at a doctor's office waiting in the waiting room. And there, uh, there was this girl sitting three, three seats down from me. Uh, she was in a wheelchair, covered in tattoos, like skull tattoos. She had the Grim Reaper tattoo, tattooed on her chest. And she was intense. She was a dark-looking character. She was wearing high socks. And listen, she was wearing high socks and the... <laughs> On her socks, in big, bold, red letters, said F-U-C-K-Y-O-U. I was like, and I saw that. I was, I, like, I was just looking at her. I was like, God, that's the one. I was like, what are you saying, God? What, this girl's got a big target on her, Lord. What? And I was, like, I was like, God, what do you want to say to her? What do you want to say to her? Um, so I end up going in the doctor's office. I come out. Uh, we end up walking out together. I strike up conversation with her. We're talking. We're talking in the elevator. 
and then we go outside. And uh, I say, hey, you know, this might sound weird, but I'm a Christian. I believe that God still speaks today. Can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So I pray for her. I pray for, uh, apparently she told me that she had multiple surgeries on her knee and she was in bad shape. Uh, pray for her. Nothing happens. Nothing happens immediately, which was kind of a bummer. But we start talking. I'm talking about God and Christianity. And she tells me that she does witchcraft and that she was actually a witch. She was a real legit witch that I was talking to. And as I'm talking to her, I'm like, oh, God, like, come on. Like, this is the one, God. I've been waiting for so long for this, Lord. This is the moment. This is my divine, just divine opportunity for me to, oh, man, I was fired up. And <laughs> so I'm talking to her, and then I get it. I get the word. I get the strongest impression that growing up, she never had a dad, and God wants to be the dad that she never had. And that was it. So I go, hey, um, you know, this, this might sound kind of weird, but I, like I said, I just, I believe that God still speaks, and I feel like he's telling me right now that growing up, you never had a dad, and he wants to come into your life and be the dad that you never had as a kid, as a child. And I go, does that, does that make sense at all? And she looks at me and goes, you're spot on with that. <laughs> and I'm like, and then she goes, she goes, I feel like I've met you before. <laughs> and she says, and she says, I feel like I've known you for a long time. And I just looked at her and I said, it's Jesus. And, and, <laughs> dude, oh. And, and then real shortly after that, she goes, uh, okay, well, I gotta go. And I said, okay, well, God bless you. Jesus loves you. And then she left. And that was it. But the truth is, I had the, I had the opportunity to step out and give this girl a word. And that witch that walked into the doctor's office now left knowing three things. God's real. God loves me. And he wants to be the dad I never had. And who knows where this girl's at now? You know, one word could change a life. One word could change a life. It did in John chapter 3 where the Samaritan woman got a word from Jesus, went back to her town, came back, or went back to her town, told everyone that word that she got, and the whole town gave their life to Christ from one word that Jesus gave. That was one word. So that's all I'm saying. What started in authority ended in power. No, no worship team around, just like, all right, God, what are you saying? This is it. I'm going to go with it. Boom. She got touched. It was amazing. Romans 12, 2 talks about how the renewed mind has the ability to test and approve what God's will is. The will of God is heaven on earth. And he gives lives to demonstrate that. It's the renewed mind that puts God's will on display on a consistent basis. And guys, I want to stress that it's going to be real tough for us to bring God's kingdom to earth if we're constantly if we're living in a culture that's constantly reminding us of our sinfulness, that's going to be real hard. It's, it's, it's so counterproductive. See, it is necessary for those who refuse to repent. For those living in outright rebellion, who are just complacent with their sin, you know, they're drinking all the time, they're living in sexual immorality, and they're just, they don't care. You know, they don't want to repent. Like, yeah, they need to be reminded of their sin. They need to be confronted. They need to, something needs to change. But for us who have repented, there's no... There's no need for that. Because if we truly are forgiven, which we are, then the past has been taken care of. The past hasn't been legally purchased by the blood of Jesus at the cross. So there's no need to be, to be reminded and to have this brought up continually about anything we've done in the past. Two days ago, a week ago, a year ago. There's no need for it. If I stay conscious of a sin I've committed years ago and I've repented of it, then I'm living in a deception because I'm, 
I'm living under the shame and consequence that Jesus already took. So for me to live as a born-again Christian and constantly be mindful of what I did three weeks ago that was a, a screw-up or a dumb, you know, a dumb decision I made or whatever, then I'm literally living, I'm literally living contrary to the truth that I've been forgiven. And it's contrary to what God's will is for your life. So I love this. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Who's heard that, who's heard that verse before? Yeah, it's powerful. I love that because the thing about that is the east is from the west. There's no limit to the east. There's no limit to the west. The east is infinitely that way. The west is infinitely that way. That's, how fu- that's what God did to your sins. That's how far he's taken away your sins. Infinitely removed. Therefore, there's no need to be sin conscious. The renewed mind understands this. The renewed mind lives life from this place, knowing that they've been forgiven, knowing that they're a new creation, knowing that, that they don't have to be sin conscious of anything. And that's the truth. Romans 8.38 talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God, not things present, not things to come. Paul goes on to say things present, nothing's come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing. And it's interesting that Paul mentions the present and the future, he doesn't touch, he doesn't talk about the past. He doesn't mention the past in that. Do you know why? Because the past was dealt with. Because the past was legally purchased at the, by the blood of Jesus at the cross. And we're only responsible for our, our, our uh, present and our future, not our past. When, I love what Bill Johnson says. He always says this, but it's so good. When we revisit the past apart from the blood of Jesus, we visit a lie. Boom. <laughs> Bill Johnson, man. If you don't know him, look him up. It's a game changer. It's a world, it's a life changer. When we, uh, yeah. When we think about and visit the past apart from what Jesus did for you and how he's washed you clean, how he's made you new, you visit a lie. I was literally today, it's crazy. Today, I, and it was, Probably a devil just trying to, trying to be a jerk and God like really opening my eyes to it. Just random thoughts from my past started like crossing my mind as I'm on the computer, I'm working. And just things that I used to do. And I could literally feel this gray gloomy cloud coming over me and the emotional baggage filling my, my body. And I was like, like instantly, I just felt this like, oh, I got to get, I, I, it was horrible. And that's what, that's what it'll do. That's what sin consciousness does to you. It keeps you living in the place of the past. It keeps you living in shame and, and guilt and condemnation, which is deceiving because God set you free. That's what the cross did. He set us free. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. And the truth is that God gave us lives to illustrate and demonstrate what God's world looks like. And that's through the renewed mind that we do that. It's only through the renewed mind that we can do that. It's going to be very hard for the church to do what it's always been supposed to do if it's constantly aware of our sinfulness. It's going to be hard. And we need to see ourselves just straight up. We need to see ourselves the way Jesus does. I mean, I know we have good days and bad days, guys. Like, but we need to just, when we're feeling like crap, we need to, we need, we need to just put our, our, our words and our emotions in check. Like, no, no. Like, stand up, look in the mirror, whatever it's going to take, declare the truth. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I've been forgiven. I'm washed by the blood. God has plans for me. Hallelujah. 
And just hallelujah. Thank you, John. Thank you, my brother, John. <laughs> I remember when I first got saved. Man, I remember when I first got saved. I went to a church that changed my life. But the thing was that that church constantly, every Sunday, every week, taught that we were sinners saved by grace, which is okay and good for those coming to Christ. But it's not good for those who've been forgiven walking out a new life. Because I was continually told that I was a wretch and I was a failure and I was helpless. And it kept me in a disempowered, helpless, introverted, insecure state. It kept me there. And I think I could have been way more effective for God and in his kingdom if I wasn't, you know, sin conscious and constantly taught and told that, you know, I'm still like a miserable failure. Like would a good dad tell you that? You know, just think about it. He's a good dad. The Bible talks about him being a father. Would a good dad look at you and be like, hey, you've done all this, you know, but remember this. Remember that time you did this? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Not my daddy. <laughs> Not my daddy. Being sin conscious all the time creates a doorway for the enemy to come into your life and keep you self-conscious, timid, and ineffective. It's the devil's job to remind you of your sin, not the church's. It's the devil's job to remind you of your sin, not your own. Let's not take ourselves down. Let's not bring ourselves down when that's the devil's job for, for doing something that God want us, doesn't want us to do. You know, we really strive and seek to, to create a revival culture, uh, a culture to sustain a movement, to sustain power, to sustain moves of God where lives get changed and we see his kingdom here on earth through the renewed mind. And it's going to be really hard to do that when we're building it on a sense of unworthiness or a sense of sin because you can't build anything lasting on a negative. It won't last. You can't build anything lasting on a negative. Revival can only, I love this, revival can only be built upon the celebration of, a pers of who a person is, not who a person is not. And I love, that's why I love Summit. That's why I love here. Like, this is why I've stayed at this church is through community and through my peers and through these people, changing my life by calling out the gold in me and telling me that I've got a future, telling me that I'm amazing, telling me that I'm doing great, telling me, encouraging me on and celebrating who I am and not bringing up my past. Thank you, David. Men like that, man. Men like that. <laughs> the church will not look like heaven if we're constantly focusing on our failures and disappointments. And guys, the good news is that this is a healthy place. This is a good place. This place alone, Crux alone, has changed my life. And my mind has been renewed like crazy through community like this. Because we learn from each other. You don't realize, but you learn how to live. You learn how to treat people. You learn how to love people. You learn, oh, I can't call that guy a blank. <laughs> Coming into the church, I didn't know that. <laughs> you learn how to treat people. You learn how to love. And you learn from community. You learn from each other. You, the mind, and the beautiful thing is the mind renewing takes place in, you know, in a, in a church like this, in a community like this, an environment filled with spirit-filled believers who genuinely love and obey God and celebrate each other and leave the past in the past. And that's why I say that the most essential element in the Christian life is the, is the renewed mind, because without it, you can't create a revival culture. You can't sustain a revival culture. You can't live a life of supernatural miracles that's sustainable. That's why I love it.
Well, I'd really like to talk about this more. I'm going to invite someone up who can probably do it better than I can. Mr. Dominic Groves. Oh, he did so good. Oh, there's so many new, amazing, beautiful faces in the audience. I'm so excited. Well, my name is Dominic. I'm one of the leaders here as well. Um, oh, I'm so excited to talk to you guys tonight. Um, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, how do I open my half? How do I do the second half of this message? I, I, I briefly thought, should I give them like a seventh inning stretch? It's, it's 20 minutes in, like already do we need a stretch? And I thought, now nah, they can kind of deal with it. And then I was like, I think I'm going to open with a question. I got one question. You ready? Yeah. It's really important. Ready? I want you guys to raise your hands if you're bold and this is you. I'm just going to open with it. How many of you guys buy organic? All right. Okay. That's right. We're the no GMO, cage-free, cruelty-free generation. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> I love it. Who doesn't want to be cruelty-free, by the way? If that's an option, like, always pick cruelty-free, right? I mean, I'm not even about that PETA stuff, but just, like, who wants to be cruel? So why is that question important? Do we buy organic? I have a real quick story for you regarding the times when I did not believe in eating as healthy as I do now, and I'm, I'm still at a work in progress. Help me, Jesus. A couple years ago, me, me and the actual uh, young adults pastor, Pastor Taylor, who if y'all haven't met him yet, he's amazing. He's one of my best friends. He'll be back next week. Um, him and I were hanging out because we've been friends since we were like almost toddlers. And one time we were hanging out at my parents' house like six, seven years ago. Still old enough to, do be to know better, but it's just us hanging out. We we're like just bacheloring it up, just hanging out in front of the TV. No one was around and we needed food. And I was like, man, we should get some food. It's like, we're both broke. What's in your mom's like, pantry? And I'm like, let's find out, because it's kind of fair game. And I walk inside. We're like, well, she has fresh, fresh produce. There's like raw meats that we can heat up. She has all like the good fixings. I don't know how to do that. I don't want to waste time with that. So I open it up, and I'm like, oh, man. They have those Velveeta cheesy shells. Do you guys know what that is? It's not organic. It's not even cheese. It's like... It's like, I think it's like, I think it's like chemically closer to plastic. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's there. It's like the mac and cheese I always love, but it is like just killing me inside when I used to eat it. We find that. I'm like, oh, that's so great, man. And, I'll, and he's like, yeah, if only we had some meat. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not really a meal without meat. And I was like, well, we have meat we can actually make, but we don't want to fuss with it. I'm like, oh, you know what I know how to make that's kind of like a meat? And he's like, what? I'm like, canned chili. He's like, is there meat in that can chili? I'm like, no. He's like, then why is it like meat? I don't know. You know, you eat chili. It's kind of hearty. It sort of gives you the illusion of something meatier and, you know, like a solid meal. And he's like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, yeah, so let's, let's, let's go for it, okay? And then, like, we're, like, cooking them in separate pots, right? Like, on the stove. Like, him and I each have, like, a stovetop little pan. And almost at the same time, we have, like, that little light bulb moment. Like, you see that right there? Just bing. And we're like... You know what might not have been done in the history of the world that we need to start right now? He's like, yeah, we can be innovators. I'm like, let's make chili mac. I'm like, yeah. yeah, he knows, he knows. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, everything just goes better together, right? Like, I don't know what this will taste like. It would be in my stomach like this anyway. Let's just save some steps and make some chili mac. We think we're geniuses. We make up this chili mac and we are out of our minds excited. Again, we were like 22, 23, so way too old for this. And we're sitting there. 
And we're like in front, like with like our like our like slippers on, watching cartoons, eating chili mac on like a Friday night. And it's like, it's like the most delicious meal we have. We're like, oh, this is so great. This was such a good idea, like the best idea I've ever had. And then 10 minutes later, we are like just engorged in like, like just like, like, like just so like, like help, you know, like I got the meat sweat film on my face. And again, there wasn't even meat. Like, how did it happen? I don't know. And it's like, okay, we should probably clean up the the leftovers, you know? And he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, what? And there's a wooden spoon in the Chili Mac pan. And he pulls the spoon up and the pan is stuck to it with it. And I was like, what? And I grab it and I flip the pan upside down and shake it and the wooden spoon is just sticking out of the, the pan of the leftover chili mac. And we realized in that moment that chili plus fake mac and cheese makes concrete. And so <laughs> I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, we just left this here like 10 minutes. Like, what the heck happened? Like, we didn't even do anything. We just ate in the other room. And this thing is like, we're like hitting against the wall and the wooden spoon is just hanging out of the pan because it is just glued by the chili mac. And then there's this moment of horror where like, hey, you know that thing that tasted so good a minute ago that is inside of us? Like, yeah, it's making that. Like, that is what is here plus acid. Like, what are we, what are we gonna do? Anyway, the next like day or so, we were like moaning in pain, eating Tums. He was living with me at the time, so he could stay over and it was fine. But like, dude, we were in pain. So that's why eating organic's important, you know? No, 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 I, I bring that up because I, I got married almost a year ago this September, or, or this Sunday. Yeah. But one of my favorite things that came with my wife was a better perspective on foods to eat, right? So like for her, it's like, hey, let's eat at home pretty much every day of the week instead of McDonald's every day of the week. And I was like, man, like, I feel better, you know? And at first, I'm like, dude, broccoli, I don't, I don't know. I never liked it. Then she, like, hit it in my food. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I love this. This is so good. To the point where I'm like, okay, like, it turns out good food's good food. It turns out, like, it's actually nutritious, and my body's not, like, killing itself. I don't get sick as much, today excluded. And, like, just in general, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It actually feels better to eat better. I don't have that chili mac horrible feeling in my gut anymore. What the heck does that have to do with a renewed mind? I'm bringing it all back, guys. Bring it, I'm, I'm just about to rein it in. You, you see it? Because my brother Joel here did a great job of setting up how essential, how cornerstone important it is to have a renewed mind as a believer. How important it is to have that renewed mind and that, the accurate, real perspective on ourselves um, as followers of Christ. And I want to just bring it, uh, he did such a great job with the conceptual and just kind of the overview of some of it. And I just want to take it to a really practical place. Um, so if you'll bear with me, I just want to talk about like practically, what does it look like to live with a renewed mind? Because as believers, I don't know if you know, the Bible actually says we have the mind of Christ. The Bible says that in the same way we have his Holy Spirit, we actually have the mind of Christ. And that's like ethereal. It's like, does that mean I'm like a 3000 year old carpenter that just walks around in sandals? It's like, I don't think it means that. But I think in the same way we can have a spirit, I think we can actually have his mind, his thought towards things. I think as we yield more to the Holy Spirit, it's a lot easier to maintain that perspective of, hey, we have the mind of Christ. And so I want to talk about just how we... Hello. All right. Seamless transition. Thank you, David Knox. I want to talk just really quickly about what 
that means practically. How do we have a new, renewed mind? How do we make sure that we hold on to that? How do we make sure that we actually walk that out? I have a verse here. It's out of 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, get ready, take every thought to make it captive, to make it obedient to Christ. Ooh, that's so good. The phrase in, in the church floats around this idea of taking every thought captive and forcing it to be obedient to Christ. Oh man, this is like so key to having that renewed mind, to living it out, to remembering that we actually have the mind of Christ. It's taking every thought captive. So I'll just be real, really real with us. This, it's some way that this, I feel like, affects a lot of us or attacks a lot of us is with things like, like lust and that kind of temptation. It happens with things like pride. It, has, it happens with things like, like anger or even like self-hatred or judgment and gossip and these little, these little things, right? It means every thought, you know? Let me, let, me, let me just go through some of these, like some of these things that are, I think, common to man. Um, Job 31, this, this verse, how many of you guys, do you guys ever have a verse that like haunts you? Like it's not, it's not necessarily like one of your life verses by choice, but it, it is, you know? It's not the one you print on the coffee cup, but it is like bound in your heart and you carry it everywhere you go. This is one of those for me, to be totally real with you when I think about purity. It's Job 31 verse 1 specifically. It's Job kind of giving himself a defense, and he's talking, he's testifying. He says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. I read this in my singleness, and I was like thunderstruck. I'm like, oh, this is going to change how I do life. Like this, <clears throat> like I know the Bible says not to do it, but like this guy made a covenant with his eyes. How many times do they say covenant in the Bible, right? It's like the covenant with Abraham. That's like the whole New Test Old Testament. And then the covenant with the blood of Jesus is the whole New Testament. Covenant is like their word for like a biblically true, powerful, honoring, pure, beautiful, like marriage, right? Job is like, I have actually made a covenant with my eyes not to do this. What does that mean? It means I think if he's passing around the street, you know, and he sees a girl that is whatever, and that thought goes through his head, I think it's him going, nope. <laughs> I don't got time for that. And look, no one's perfect, guy or girl, but look, he made a covenant with his eyes. And I love that when he's like on trial here, his first line of defense is like, hey, look, you want to talk about purity for a second? I made a covenant with my eyes. Oh, what a God-honoring man. When we think about having a renewed mind, when we think about relationships and sexual purity and purity in general here, do we have a covenant with our eyes? Do we have a covenant in the way we think? Because sometimes it could be a, a quick, I know for guys especially sometimes, it's just like a quick image of something or like word association. You'll get like a bad image and don't go there now, Lord help you. But I'm just saying, sometimes it'll be lightning fast just in and it's like, whoa, what was that? That's the moment where you got to be like, nope, <laughs> I ain't got time for that today or tomorrow. You can try back next week. I'm not going to have time there either for that. We just got to be like, no, every thought captive to Christ. It comes in, it's going to go right back out. <laughs> with, with lust specifically, men and women, it, it's the lingering that screws us with that one. <laughs> just to be totally real with you guys. It's, it's, when, it, it's when that thought kind of just hangs out. That's when you get that with that. What about anger? See, anger is not a sin, but it says, in your anger, do not sin. 
Why is that? Because sometimes there's a relationship between anger and sin. There's a righteous kind of anger. God has anger. God has wrath and vengeance, actually, but that's God's, right? <laughs> we still have anger. There's a righteous kind of anger that'll stand up for what's right, you know? But there's a lot of kind of unrighteous anger that's like, I'm going to use those words on these people. <laughs> I'm going to use this finger at that person. I'm going to, like, rage out. I had a moment a couple days ago. My wife's like, hey, that's not you. Knock it off. And my wife's amazing, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I need to knock it off. I'm not usually this angry. What's going on? What do, what do we sit in? When someone frustrates us at work, when someone frustrates us at home, when someone frustrates us in relationship, do we hang out in it? Do we marinate in it? Do we just let it stew? Or do we force ourselves to say, hey, that thought's going to be obedient to Christ. Hey, I need to honor my parents. I need to honor the authorities in my life. That includes my bosses. I need to love and pray for the people that persecute me. I need to love my neighbor as myself. And anger is getting in the way of that right now. Let me just be real with another one here. Self-hatred. Oh, I had this one good back in the day. Before my mind was all renewed, before Jesus was like, hey, let me make home inside of you. I was like, but I'm gross in here and I hate it. And I hate me and I hate you and I hate everything. But I was good on the outside. I smiled real big. Everything was fine. But I hated myself. And then there were seasons where I kind of got a little better about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't struggle with self-hatred anymore. But I mess a little thing up, and I just be like, man, what is my problem? I'm such an idiot. Stupid. Oh, I feel like so embarrassed. I'm such an idiot. I'm such a fool. Really, I don't self struggle with self-hatred anymore. How is it that I'm the most critical of any person I've ever been around of myself? How am I the most critical? People that are persecuting me, they're not as critical of me as I am. You want to tell me that's not self-hatred? <laughs> when our criticisms of ourselves, when our, when our thoughts of ourselves are not God's thoughts of ourselves, we are not renewing our mind enough. Because like Joel said, he's a good dad. He calls us good kids. Why do I know that? Because as believers, we actually take the place of Jesus. He took our death. He took, he took our shame. He took our punishment and he says, no, 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 when God, when God sees them, he sees me now. My righteousness, my perfection, my all of this, that, that's theirs now. My blood covers that now. So I'm not going to go before God and be like, hey, God, I'm actually really nasty and horrible. <laughs> hey, it turns out I actually suck at life, like everything. I, I, I suck at career planning. I suck at relationships. I suck. I, I, I mean, I don't even like using that word this much, but I, I just, I'm horrible at this. It feels like I'm not good at anything. I look at all these people around me, I'm not good as that. God's like, really? I made you. God's like, really? You're my kid. Not only are you my kid, like he sees you as Jesus, like you're my, you're my favorite kid. You're all his favorite kid if you've accepted him. You're really going to tell me that that's how he thinks about you. And, and again, we, ha we have the mind of Christ. So here's my challenge just as we think about this is what are, what are we doing practically? This might sound dumb, but where are the areas in our lives? And, and ask yourselves individually, like what are, where are the areas that I have thoughts that are against his? Is it lust? Is it pride? Is it self-hatred? Is it fill in the blank? Do we make this life too much about ourselves that we don't even know how he feels about anything because it's our life, not his? Where are we outside of it? 
the best thing about having a renewed mind is that it's a gift he gives to us. The greatest thing about it is that it's not like we can put, like snap our fingers together and all of a sudden we fix ourselves. Jesus is like, no, 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 let me take care of that too. Just, just be with me. Just take those thoughts captive. <laughs> Don't think about the mountaintop. Think about the one step in front of the other. You gotta renew with me. The journey's gonna be too much if you don't renew with me. Yeah, it's gonna be easy to burn out when we think about how, we might think about how jacked up we are, like Joel said, but we're not anymore. (laughs) Not if we're children of God. He exchanged that. So every time we think, hey, I'm damaged, I'm broken, I'm screwed up because of my own decisions or someone's decisions that were made for me, against me, whatever. But we have to say, hey, I'm not that anymore. I don't have to prove to anyone that I'm fixed because I'm coming from a place of being fixed. And even if I don't feel it, I'll take that first step that says, no, 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 I, I am lovely. <laughs> no, 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 I am whole. No, 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 I am, I can do this. Because he says I'm good at this. <laughs> I want to read that verse that Joel said again in, in Romans 12 too, because this is really the heart of it, is do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't believe the basic programming. (laughs) Don't believe in your past in a broken design. Believe in being transformed (laughs) by what he does to renew your mind. Don't conform to what was here, what was so easy. And when I say was, I mean literally two seconds before this message, if you're getting hit right now, whatever you came in with. If you had this when you walked in, that can be the before, (laughs) right this second. Literally, like, you could be tuning in right now. This is the now. That was the before. Do not conform anymore from the way you were a year ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, two seconds ago. Don't conform to that anymore. Don't believe the lies that our culture tells you. Don't believe what The Bachelorette tells you. Don't believe what social media tells you. Don't believe what the ingredients on Velveeta tell you. Like, don't believe, like, don't, don't believe the broken system, guys. Don't believe it. <laughs> I'm making jokes because God is good sometimes, but he's good all the time, actually. <laughs> don't conform to what this world said about your value system. Don't conform to what this world said about your worth. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ. It says we'll actually be able to know his will in general for us, for the people around us. His good, pleasing, perfect will. Doesn't that sound a whole lot better than I'm broken, I suck, my future is nothing. I have value, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I have destiny, I have purpose. Even when things feel like they're exploding around me, my God is the God that calms the storm from in the storm, and I know I have purpose. I don't conform to the circumstance, I conform to the promise and the transformation through Jesus, right? Like, why, why, even, why I even brought the Chili Mac story is, is because sometimes we're like that with thoughts in our head. Oh man, a little bit of gossip right now sounds kind of fun. Wow, man, getting mad in traffic, that sounds kind of good right now. <laughs> that sounds like that fits. This lust thing right now, that, I know that feels good for this second. <laughs> but what happens inside? You don't even have to do anything. Ten minutes goes by, so to speak. What happens to the little bit you let in? It's a paste of junk now that's going to like kill you. 
you know? You didn't have to make it horrible and horrible. It became that by just hanging out. What happens when you, when you eat organic? What happens when you eat healthy? What happens when that stuff, even if you don't like it right away, it's like you kind of know you're doing the right thing, sort of, right? And then your body actually like, is like, hey, I kind of enjoy some of these nutrients. <laughs> hey, I'm actually kind of feeling better. Some of these things I thought were lasting health problems turn out to be fast food. Like, who knew, right? <laughs> My sinuses got healed. Yes, I believe it's the Lord in prayer, but I also think it was just not eating as much fast food, just practically, right? But anyway, I use that example. It's like, what do we do with our thoughts? If we linger in it even a little bit, how long before that thing becomes a disgusting pace in our life that we can't get out? But what happens when we eat what's whole and what's good and daily remember to refresh ourselves with it and do that? What happens? We're healthy. It improves the quality of our lives. You have this feeling like, hey, maybe this was the way it was supposed to be the whole time. What the heck have I been eating? And I had Chick-fil-A for dinner, so I'm not perfect, but I'm just saying. It's better than Mickey D's sometimes. Sometimes, I don't know. It's good. I know, they, they played You're Beautiful by Phil Wickham in instrumental in the bathroom, and I'm like, God is beautiful. Anyway. So I think that's going to be, a, I'm going to kind of bring it in for a landing, guys. I know we've kind of been all over the place with this, but I, I just want to be real. It's just that, what are we doing? We have the mind of Christ and we have his Holy Spirit when we submit to this life that he's given us. But it's our choice to take every thought captive. It's our choice to remember. It's our choice to choose to submit things to the obedience of Christ. And there's no one that can police that other than the Holy Spirit convicting us and ourselves. No one's going to police you. On the outside, you might look like everything is together, but if you have those real struggles, who's going to police that? It's you, and it's the Holy Spirit. And your amazing church family. Because you don't do this alone, because no one's perfect, because it's not about guilt. It's about running the race before us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to garbage thinking. Let your minds be renewed. Take every thought captive. If you need to, make a covenant with your eyes. If you need to, find a buddy. Talk these things out. Find practical strategies. My way is as fast as possible. Just be like, nope. I say no to that weird thought. I, I say no to that image. I say no to this opportunity to gossip right here because gossip is garbage. <laughs> I don't have time for that. It could be fun, but it, I don't have time for that. It's not right. <laughs> I, don't pride, I don't have time for my ego to get all out of whack. I don't have time for it because Christ's thoughts are over here. And when his light shines on me, people see that light. People are attracted to that light and it testifies about him. Why is it important that we have the mind of Christ so that we have a full, whole life, so that we're whole, that we're healthy, we're organic, but so that people can see the light on us. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.